1: If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbut and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash HB. Again, altitude-re.com slash HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks.
0: Hey, all Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend, Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. Manifestfit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and Manifestfit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to Manifestfit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life.
1: Hey everybody, it is Brian Nemhauser, Hauser and uh, we are back for another edition of yeah. Real Hawk Talk. This is episode 64, can you believe it? We have part of the crew here right now. Um, we've got some other folks. It, it wouldn't be a Real Hawk Talk without Jeff having some sort of technical difficulties. He will probably hop on and hop off a few times. Um, we will welcome him and say goodbye probably during that period. And uh, Nathan Ernst uh, told us he's going to be a couple minutes late. The man has numerous children, a full-time job, uh, a very large beard. There's a lot to take care of for the man. So um, we will start with all that you need, which is myself, Brian M. Houser, at Hawk Blogger. And Mr. Evan Hill. Evan, at Evan hill c is that it yep evan hill sea on
0: twitter welcome dude thank you the real reason you want to tune in to see this beautiful face i am here my presence is here
1: that's true it's quorum as long as as long as you're here (laughs) um but, you know, we've got a lot to cover tonight. Um, it's, I'm super excited and appreciative that we're able to get together this week. I'm going to be out next week pulling a sockeye salmon out of the Kenai River. But um, there's a ton to go over. We've got um, uh, training camp start next week. We've got position battles. We've got 53-man roster projections. We've got uh, contract news. We've got injury news we've got all sorts of things to cover. So we're going to get, get started. But before we do, um, I want to welcome a couple new sponsors to real Hot talk and Evan, I'm going to have to ask you to start with the first. Um, it's a, it's a brand that I think a lot of people in the state of Washington are familiar with. Uh, it's one that both tastes good and is fun. Um, let folks know uh, who has joined the, the squad as a new sponsor for Real Hawk Talk.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm super excited to, and I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter. Maybe some of you have, but Burger Master, the best. I want to be very, very clear about this. The best burger chain in the state of Washington now sponsors the Hawk Blogger podcast, Real Hawk Talk. This is real life. The best burger chain, the home to the juiciest most ideal burgers in the state of Washington are now on our side, so that is super exciting. They uh, are doing a full season sponsor, so you will hear all about them during our podcast. Personally, outside of outside of their you know sponsorship of this podcast, I've been an on the record supporter for Burger Master. So I'm not being paid to say this. I literally love Burger Master. They have six locations all over the Puget Sound. You know, the one I, I always went to was right off of um, 520. When you're coming from Seattle and on that Kirkland Bellevue border, that's probably one of my favorite locations. So, Burgermaster, so excited to have you guys on board. I love your burgers,
1: dude. I'm the same way. Uh, it is always fun pulling the family into the drive-in at um, Burgermaster and ordering food, not getting out of the car, chilling on a summer day. I've been known to actually. Ride my bike. I ride my bike to work sometimes. It's like 18 miles each way. And on the way home, I will sometimes stop because it goes right by Burger Master and (laughs) eat burger fries and shake to totally eradicate any physical gains I had made that day on my bike ride. But it is totally worth it. Uh, It's a great sponsor. Happy to have them. They are not the only new sponsor we've got. We also are adding um, actually a kind of a return um, sponsor. Blake Johnson um, from manifestfit.com has joined joined uh, the show. He's sponsored in the past. And um, honestly, a uh, really good guy um, does personal training and does it for folks that uh, might not you know, have a ton of money because personal training is, is generally really expensive. Blake is really mission driven. He's at it for the right reasons and you can do it all online. So people can do it from their homes. He does it uh, to a bunch of different states um, and we're going to be sharing a lot more about manifestfit.com soon. I do believe that they're having a special um, on um, apparel on his site. So if you go to manifestfit.com and buy clothing there, I think if you use the promo code GoHawks, no spaces, um, you get 15% off. So good deal. Good reason to go check him out. and. Uh, really happy to have those folks aboard as well as our longtime sponsor, John Hurlbut and Altitude Homes. Um, uh, John's great and uh, all that they've done um, for the pod, we certainly appreciate. And uh, if you're buying or selling a home in uh, Pierce King or Thurston County, uh, Snohomish County, I always get that wrong. Uh, <laughs> then make sure you uh, uh, check out um, Altitude Homes. Um, Altitude-Re.com/hb. All right, so fellas, we've got Jeff. It says you're Sheila Simmons, which I love. I'm gonna potentially call you Sheila Simmons from now on. But uh, uh, can we test your connection? How are you doing, Jeff? I figured out
2: the problem in the off season. This is the biggest development, maybe, of the off season. It wasn't my internet the whole time. It was my computer so i just tested before what was happening and i'm on a mac right now i have to use a pc for work it's a long story but this is a whole new world for me i can see you i can hear
1: this is dude this is game changing like you I, i'm not waiting for you to break up and look like max headroom like i know evan doesn't know who that is but in any event it, it, it's great i i'm looking forward to a season of clarity from jeff simmons I'm We've sorry. been waiting years to see your beautiful face so clearly. This is amazing. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing for you guys. Yeah, we we may lose some subscribers, but it's worth it. It's worth it, dude. I was joking uh, with uh, Evan
2: today on text. I was telling him that I need a PC for my job, and I said PCs are out of date. And then me and Evan both remembered whose initials are PC. Someone who a lot of people think is out of date. Evan and Nathan's favorite coach, Pete
0: Carroll. Can can we can we have a quick note on PCs? If a job – I don't care if a job offered me a $10 million salary. If they said you have to use PC at work, hell no. That hell no.
1: That is the stupidest thing that, you've there's ever There's no said.
0: way in hell I am being forced to use a PC on a daily basis. Oh, That's my right. God. No, there's not a employed. chance in hell.
2: I'm technically self-employed, so like the programs I need for my job only operate on PC, which is very, very annoying. I've had a Mac my whole life.
1: And since you guys have known me, actually, you've seen what PC life looks like. You know what? You know, first of all, we let's let's be careful, guys. We are in the heart of of uh, Windows territory around here, so so let's be let's be thoughtful about that. But honestly, I've got a PC and a Mac, and I use them both, and they're great. So everyone just. Take it down a notch. It's, it's fine.
2: You're always the voice of reason.
1: It's just it's not that big of a deal. Like they both well, they both they work a night and day. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, I used to be an engineer too, so I I like I I don't know. I like both. Okay, fair. fair. But um, this is not why people tune in. Um, surprisingly, because I think these are some of our strongest takes so far. But uh, guys, I'm so excited about uh the Seahawks season coming around. I was driving downtown recently and all i could think about is where i'm gonna pre-game um this season for for all the games and uh it's that time of year where we're gonna start we're gonna roll in the training camp next week and then we're gonna roll into preseason games and then we're gonna roll into real games and uh, i'm really looking forward to to this season i think there's a lot of exciting things going on i'm kind of curious um you know, when you guys think about training camp starting next week, what are you most excited about? And let's start with Jeff and his glowing new uh, internet connection and PC or Mac in this case. Okay. I hope I'm not stealing Evans, but definitely the thing I'm
2: most excited about is the new group of receivers. Um, Doug Baldwin retiring is obviously a huge blow to any Seahawks fan. He was probably my favorite player to watch on the offense other than Russell the last five, seven years. But just the amount of guys that are coming in, just seeing those videos, seeing those pictures of DK Metcalf. I know that's one of Evans' guys. Uh, I'm very, very excited about David Moore. Uh, Gary Jennings is a guy I really liked around draft time, and I remember when we did our pod right after the draft, he was the pick I was almost as excited about as DK. So Russell really hasn't had a group of like young, up and coming receivers since like maybe the Super Bowl years. Like a full group of them, and then when you add Lockett in there, and Lockett's moving to the number one job. His role is going to be a little different. And some of the new tight ends, I kind of I'm excited about Jacob Halster. Um, so just the new group of weapons. I know like Bill Barnwell ranked them like 30th in the NFL. Oddly enough, that's the group I'm most excited about heading into camp because they're a group that's gonna grow with Russell. They're gonna look at Russell probably differently than like the Golden Tape Baldwin group did. So it's kind of fun to see this group kind of grow together. And these are the guys that are gonna be with Russell, hopefully, the next five, six years in this
1: new contract. How about you, Evan? Yeah,
0: really glad you pinpointed D- DK Metcalf's muscles there. I'm super excited about that, too, for next week. Um, I'm really excited to see th- – now, this is going to sound a little weird, but I feel like the safeties and the D- the DBs in general are getting um, a little bit of a lack of attention. You know, Trey Flowers had a phenomenal rookie year last year. I'm excited to see what he does in year two. Shaq Griffin is entering year three after a sort of rough year too, really. I know you were a big sort of um, downer on him last year and, and honestly with good reason, um, but we've, we drafted some really, really exciting talent. And I'd say the most exciting player for me, maybe out of all of our rookies is Marquise Blair, you know, Pete Carroll. I think it was right after they drafted him on day two in those, you know, post-selection press conferences that, they were going to start him at strong safety, working in the box, using his kind of big hit potential. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Bradley McDougal. Does that mean Bradley McDougal goes to free safety or is Marquise Blair like competing to try to beat out Bradley McDougal for strong safety? You know, really don't know what the situation is there, but um, I think this defensive back group, although they receive a lot of crap, like they could, if they take some steps forward, they could end up being pretty decent.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I, you know, I think the thing I'm most looking forward to um, in in camp is definitely the receiver group. I mean, first of all, one of the only things you can really judge in camp is receiving group and and uh, defensive backs, uh, specifically corners. Um, you can do a little bit of, of one-on-one pass rush drills and get a little bit of, of – um, offensive line, defensive line, and pass protection or pass rush. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of doubts about DK Metcalf. Um, I think for some for good reason. But all I need to see is him run straight and fast and be tall and jump high and catch a pass in traffic, and I'll feel pretty good. And if he doesn't do that, I'm going to feel pretty disappointed. I mean, generally my first practice, my first impressions have – served me pretty well over the years um at, at training camp and you know last year the two things that i really that really hit me the first two days were one wow this team has really lost a lot of talent like there is no cam chancellor there's no richard sherman that you know earl thomas wasn't there at that point like it felt like a very different team and a much you know far less of, of a team than it had been before. And the other thing was that, wow, Rashad Penny looks like he doesn't have anything special to offer. Like he just didn't stand out to me in any particular way. And he showed some things in the season eventually, but, but I think that proved to be generally pretty true for, for most of the, the season. He was, he was a disappointment. I think anyone, even Evan, um, that would say otherwise, I think is... Uh, Not when he lost weight. Not when he dropped 10 to 15 pounds. Not, I don't nah. know that that ever really happened.
0: I, I thought there was like an official quote on the record that that happened.
1: You know, there was an official he quote did on the record a, that he was 240 at some point. So, like, uh, he, he says those were never true. So, um, I, I'm actually, honestly, I'm looking forward to seeing Rashad Penny this year and... I hope that what they said was true, which and they said a lot of things that, but I hope that his injury caused him some issues that he had some adjustment that he's now ready to, to be back to the, the player that they thought he was going to be. Um, that would be nice. I, I, I think, I think we need multiple running backs because this
0: you team need level. to be recruiting or you need to be strongly rooting for Rashad Penny because if you don't, and he's bad, Guess who's getting a $13 million extension after year three, maybe year four? Chris Carson. So if you don't want to invest money in the running back position, you better be rooting like hell for Rashad Penny.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm well aware of that. And as big of a Chris Carson fan as I am, I I certainly am not interested in the Seahawks doing what I think a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans are currently struggling with, um, the notion that they're going to have to sink a lot of money into Ezekiel Elliott. And, uh, I, I, as much as I am, I am pretty much agnostic about the running game. I think it's useful. I actually don't have as much negativity, but I also am not like religious about it. I certainly don't want to spend that kind of money on that position. I I think that you can get those people to do what you need to do at a lot less uh, than that. So I think there's pretty much unity on that perspective, um, on this pod at least. Mr. Ernst has joined the party. Are you ready to actually join? Can I talk to you, Nathan?
3: Yes, you can awesome. talk to me.
1: Hello. Awesome. Welcome, Hello. dude. Um, so that's at Thank Nathan 11 He has not changed his his Twitter handle. Um, uh, I actually think he should take at Evan on HB, would actually be a really good troll, but uh that's okay. Um so, Nathan, the question that I posed was, uh, what are you most looking forward to about training camp starting next week? It can be a player, it can be anything.
3: Uh, I mean, you guys talked about wide receiver. Obviously, that's going to be really, really interesting. Um, I mean, DK Metcalf is going to be the star of this entire preseason, I think. Um But maybe and and, I mean, that's an important spot too. like it's not just that he looks like he's going to be super fun and potentially super good, but um, they need someone else to step up Um, probably two or maybe even three. Somebody's really Uh, but the other one that um, will be really interesting to see is what is going on with the nickel corner spot Uh, is that. Ugo Amadi's job to lose. Uh, you know, in your post, you have him as a safety. I think they're going to give him a lot of chances to take the nickel job, um, but we'll see. Um, or do they do something different there? Is there some kind of like a hybrid thing that they start to do with him um, since he's got some flexibility? Uh, Kalen Reed, uh, Jamar Taylor, um, Jeremy Boykins. I mean, a bunch of guys. Akin King is in the running there, but he's you know not. A lot of those guys are not your prototypical. Um nickel types and even Amadi, who's more of the prototypical size for a nickel he's a little smaller uh doesn't have that kind of top end athleticism that i think you hope a nickel corner has. so uh that'll be really interesting to watch and see how that whole group shakes out
1: that's a great one I, and to be clear so um nathan's referring to um i published a 53-man roster and i've got my cat hair like all over me that's what's going on here um so I published 15 three men roster. We'll talk about that a little bit. And I base the positions based off where the Seahawks list the player. Um, and also additionally, I also from a where they played in minicamp or were reported to play. So Amadi, because of all the injuries at safety, he almost exclusively was a safety during minicamp. They got some look at him uh, and nickel and I know that they want to. And I think I'm with you, Nathan. I think that's his position. Um, Although it would be, it would be huge, huge if Ugo Amadi could prove that he is a challenger for the free safety position. Because to your point earlier, Evan, about um, Marquise Blair and Bradley McDougal, Bradley McDougal has been very clear that his preference is to strong safety. That's the, that's the position he feels most comfortable in. That's where he feels like he excels he can play free safety. So they do have that optionality, but he doesn't feel like that's his best spot. The only guy that I know for sure on the Seahawks roster that has played free safety in the Seahawks defense is Tedrick Thompson. And I don't know that any of us feel particularly good about him on this um, podcast. And Amadi, I mean, he's i haven't looked but do you guys know off the top of your head i think he's faster than thompson but i think some of us might be faster so i, I don't that's know a
3: low bar <laughs> i know right but that's
1: that's kind of the point uh, so uh, he, he ran a 4.52 40 yard dash and what was tedrick like four six four six five uh, that is a mm-hmm. great
0: question he was a four Money guess Brian is four point six zero.
3: Good work. Okay.
1: Yeah, I knew there's a six in there.
3: It's so bad. Never
1: good when you're going from like a four two seven guy and Earl Thomas to a four six guy. It's a big anyway, job. I think I did the calculations, and the difference in yardage coverage between Earl and Tedrick in the span of like two seconds was like. Five yards or something like something crazy. Like, there's a huge, huge difference there. So, anyway, I, I think the Seahawks actually they lost Justin Coleman, who we, we all I think were were fond of and felt like was a good a good nickel corner. Um, obviously, got paid like he's a good nickel corner. But I actually think they have some really decent options there. And if Amadi can emerge at safety, I think that would be a really big win. Um, uh, that said. I'm not I'm not assuming that's going to happen. Is there anyone else? Um, any of you guys know that that is an option at free safety? Um, I guess Marquise Blair played a little bit of that in college. Um, Nathan, you've watched him a little bit. Did you see him?
3: Yeah, I mean, Blair's the same kind of deal as McDougal. like he Uh, except he hasn't even shown it at the NFL level, but it's the same thing. Like, he can play free safety. It wasn't what he was best at. Um, Maybe under some tutelage of Pete, uh, you know, after a year or two, I mean, he's got the athleticism, I think, to do it. Um, But I I wouldn't expect that anytime soon. I I don't think that's going to be pretty if he does end up there, especially with some of the comments that we've heard about Blair so far already.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jeff, one of the things that – yeah. Evan brought up Marquis Blair as a guy he's really high on. I think all of us are interested in him. He's certainly an, an athlete. Um, you want to see a guy that's a hard hitter. Like He's got some of the credentials that I think we're looking for. And He was a high draft pick, so the Seahawks think highly of him. But from what I read during training camp and listened, or sorry, not training camp, mini camp, um, despite having a ton of injuries at that position, he wasn't starting um, during mini camp. And They had guys like Shalom Luani playing ahead of Blair in minicamp. And generally, I think that's been, usually that ends up being because guys are behind on the playbook. If they're a really great athlete, you know, that that's probably the reason. Uh, We now hear that he is on PUP. Um, The Seahawks brought rookies in a week early this year, which is something they have not done before. And the news today was that, you know, he, as well as Phil Haynes, um ben burk and one other guy anyone know off the top of their head
0: was it demarcus christmas maybe i think it was yeah it yeah. was
1: okay um those four were placed on pup we'll talk about how big of a deal that is but from a specifically focusing on blair is it realistic to expect him to compete for a starting spot in in the preseason
0: not sure whether it's realistic, but unfortunately I feel like honestly, there's some potential in the safety group, but there is not a lot of depth. For example, if Tedrick gets hurt, <laughs> if Blair gets hurt, so there's one player behind you, like, like where's the depth there? Where's the, there's some concerns, like whether he likes it or not, he's going to be thrown right into the mix. And probably if he's lucky start. So it, it's kind of a, it's an exciting situation, but it's also kind of scary.
1: Yeah. What are your thoughts, Jeff?
2: Um, I think if you look at the way that Pete's brought along rookies historically, he usually puts like creates packages for them, especially defensive backs, and kind of utilizes them to their strengths rather than kind of throw them into the fire. I know he did that with Earl and Bobby and KJ probably, but if you remember the way he kind of used a lot of more unique players, as rookies he wants to kind of just give them packages designed for them, and then by year two – that's when he kind of unleashes them. Sort of what they did with Cam, and they've done it with some other players. Even Sherman wasn't supposed to play much his rookie year. So I think Blair's probably going to be in a role like that. I don't expect him to play free safety really at all. I think his strength is more hitting than center field coverage or deep coverage. Every time they talked about what kind of hit, ferocious hitter he is, he's probably better around the line of scrimmage. So another guy I could see playing if McDougall does kick out to free safety is Lano Hill? Is it Leno Hill now?
1: It is Lano Hill. He's dropped the DE.
2: Yeah. So when P was talking in the offseason earlier, like anytime he'd bring up the safety group, Delano Hill would always get mentioned and Tedrick wouldn't. To me, that kind of jumped off the page a bit. I, I know Delano Hill was starting to come on last year at the end of the year before he got injured. And maybe that's something to get excited about. But really, there's four safeties we're probably going to see play. It's we're going to be in the mix. It's probably Blair Hill. McDougal, who's got a bad knee historically, and hopefully no, we don't have to watch him. But Tedrick's in that mix, so those are the four guys. If one gets hurt,
1: who's left? Shalom Luani. It's those are the four guys who are probably battling, right? Yeah, you've got at that position, you got Bradley McDougal, Tedrick Thompson, Marquise Blair, Leno Hill. Um, does it is, it is it say something bad about me that I I like him less with two less letters in his name? I, I don't like Leno. I don't know what that says about me. Anyway, um, uh, Ugo Amadi, Shalom Luwani, um, Jalen Harvey, and Marwin Evans. So yeah, maybe, maybe sign Eric Berry then. I, I, he's probably never going to play again, but I still would give him a training camp, you know, no guaranteed contract, and bring him in here to compete. Um, who knows? So
2: they uh, should have signed Earl. Got
3: a lot of money. Yeah,
1: I yeah. Know. maybe I'm being unrealistic, but. Get back to me next year. Yeah. Like, I'm really interested to see how many years of that contract Earl plays. Um, oh, we shall see. I miss I, him already. I definitely miss having him, but I think they made the right call. I really wow. do. Um, uh, well, eventually. Um, but, but in any event, um, so. That position, I think we've we've hit on it. We've talked about it in this pod a lot. Safety is. question my god! God, imagine if Bradley McDougall goes down. I mean, he's not. He's had some injury issues. You've got nothing that's proven at that position, um, and safety is absolutely crucial for this team. So. Um. Marquise Blair will get plenty of opportunities <laughs> to find his way onto the field. I think, if you're looking at just upside and talent, he seems to be a guy that that has that chance to do it. But I think Leno Hill is the other guy um, that that you kind of hope emerges.
0: Do you know what the? I, do you know what I think the logical conclusion here is though? Is that they are probably really, really betting that wow. Bradley McDougal starts at free safety because if you add Bradley McDougal to that Amadi and that Tedrick Thompson group, okay, then you've got, you know, three players at free safety. And then in strong safety, you have Blair Delano Hill and, and I guess Bradley McDougal, who can do both. So, you know, there's the potential that Bradley could be playing free safety this year. I'm
1: assuming that's the case. It, it would be a huge win and a shock if that's not the case. Um, well, Unless it's Tedrick Thompson that's, that's playing free safety because um, no one else was proven to be better. So it's, that's going to be an interesting group to watch. It's a little hard to really judge them in, in training camp preseasons a little bit better. Um, but let's talk about some of the other position groups. Let's go from one of the biggest question mark position groups to one of the strongest. Um, how do you guys feel about the running back group this year? Um, and let
3: me run down who's on
1: that list. Um, <laughs> you can feel any way you want about how important. I'm just going to hang out
3: over here and sip my beer for a little bit. Let you guys chew on this one. This
1: is You've got Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, Travis Homer, um, JD McKissick, CJ ProSice, Bo Scarborough, and Marcellus Sutton. Um, not to mention Nick, is it Ballore or Belori, Uh is a fullback. So, I think that personally I'm happy. Mike Davis has moved on. Um, I think that this gives an opportunity for, uh, a third down running back that could actually be more of a receiver out of the backfield, like a JD McKissick, um, or even to CJ process if that happens or Ho- Travis Homer, I think Travis Homer is a guy that most people have forgotten about. He was a draft pick. He was a guy that, that the Seahawks said, was maybe the best special teams player they scouted in the whole draft. Um, and also is known as a good receiver and a good, um, uh, pass protector. So I think there's a decent chance he's going to get some opportunities to take that third running back spot. Um, I'm kind of curious where you guys are at on the running back position. And why don't we start with you, Evan? I know you're chomping at the bit.
0: I am flat out disgusted that CJ Procise can still say he is employed by the Seattle Seahawks. I am flat out disgusted by that. How many games has CJ Procise been available the last three years? How many snaps has he played without getting hurt the past three years? You know what this is like? We all have normal jobs. Say, say, say we get hurt on the way to our coffee shop in the morning and we don't show up to work for the next four years. That's what CJ ProSize is doing. He's not available. The best ability is availability. And to be frank, he hasn't been available he I, I think just a couple of weeks ago we saw Pete Carroll said he got a tight hammy or something like that i I love the dude i know I know you can't really control you
1: don't love the dude
0: okay that's true I don't love the dude. <laughs> good good thank you that's accountability right there something that this team is bringing in um you know Cj he's just not available and you can really not control injury proneness to to a strong extent. And to be quite honest, if we're rolling with four running backs, I'm going so obviously Penny running back one, Carson running back two, JD McKissick, and then Travis Homer at number four.
2: Jeff. <laughs> 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 okay, I couldn't even contain that one. <laughs> well just to touch on what Evan said quickly. Like I i agree for with most of what you said in terms of pro sizes and the disappointment with them, But like really what's the alternative? Cutting them? You might as well just keep him for the rest of his rookie contract and then just not sign him, right? It's not like having him is preventing you from doing something else. He probably no, the roster one. spot. Yeah, but who you it depends. Well, the who they really man are.
1: roster spot.
2: Not a fifty. He might year not year. make the roster. Well, anyway, I'm happy again. I'm happy with Brian said. I'm happy Mike Davis was gone. He played well last year, but that damn two minute drill with Mike Davis plotting up the middle for two yards and those dump off passes to Mike Davis. That drove me crazy. That's why I have no more hair left. Um, those were the worst. I know Shoddy is Twitter now, so a good. I'm glad we don't have to talk about Mike Davis to him. Um, yeah, objectively, I'm like I'm more closer to Nathan in terms of yeah passing probably should be more of a priority. But in terms of looking at the roster objectively, running back is clearly a strength of theirs. Chris Carson. I think people forget how good Chris Carson was. I know, like, the advanced metrics were really, really high on him. PFF is really, really high on him. And just, like, kind of reading – I'm reading a lot of fantasy football stuff now, and they have no idea how to make make of this running back group. They keep pushing Rashad Penny because he was the first-round pick. But Chris Carson was one of the best running backs in the league. If you looked at more advanced stats and if you watched him play every week like we did, he was really good. So I'm excited to see how he responds. I know he's kind of coming off an injury, but watching him play, I know they probably gave him too many carries last year but he was fun to watch. Penny, I do think will be better. I don't think he'll ever be a first round kind of player, but I think now that he's comfortable, I think like a comparable, maybe he obviously doesn't have this kind of talent, but Melvin Gordon, if you remember, had a really bad rookie year. The game was a little fast for him. He had, I think he didn't score a touchdown and they picked him like seventh overall. And he, he really jumped the second year. I don't know if Penny will take a, that kind of jump, but with the depth they have, like one to five, and if they can use McKissick as a more in the passing game, I still think receivers the group I'm looking forward and more excited about. But just on paper, running back is clearly one of their strengths, other than offensive line, which is probably their second biggest strength, other than quarterback, which is
1: bizarre to say. Well, we'll talk about that. I mean, I, I think, um, uh, if you talk about the running back position there, I, I so. I'll, I'll say my piece on CJ Prosize and move on. Cause I don't think he's going to make the roster and I'm one of his bigger proponents. I think he's the most talented running back of the group. Oh, stop it. I absolutely <laughs> <do>. <laughs> He's not better than Chris Carson right now. He's, he's the most talented running back of the group. Um, what? I, think, I do. I, I believe that to be true.
3: Um, yeah. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. not
0: going to stand for that, right?
3: I mean, obviously he's wrong because running backs don't matter. They're all the same, but He's so happy. To I don't think that. that's the backup you were looking for. <laughs> no, I'm not looking for any
1: backup. I, it's, it's fine. I think um, people talk about the New England game. I get that. He was great in that game. But, you know, he was great in the New Orleans game. He was great in the Eagles game. Um, you know, he's... Before he got injured. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been injured. That that does not mean he's not talented. That's a, that's a very different... Durability is not about talent. So... Um,
0: I cannot believe this take.
1: I don't think it's that hard that that crazy to take and i think if
0: cj process is 100 healthy one-to-one ideal situations he's more productive than chris carson in a single no
2: there's a difference between production and talent
0: yeah
3: why if he's a more talented player why wouldn't he be the more productive player in the same situation
2: it's like calling a guy really athletic but they're not as productive i think that's his point i think physically in terms of like traits maybe
1: he's the best but in terms of as a player do you agree with that it's a little bit of navel gazing. I mean, I, I'm not nearly, I don't think this is nearly as hot of a take as Evan wants it to be, but
3: look, I mean, like, well, I mean, I guess I, I kind of, I mean, again, like I, I don't think that there's really meaningful differences between running backs for the most part, but like, are, are we just talking about physical talent? Because I mean, I would probably agree if we're just talking about it in like in terms of, you know, combine type stuff, overall
1: but talent. So, so look, I, I, I assess running backs in a few different ways. Like, Um, what's their ability to, I mean, there's different types of runs. Are they, are they able to get to the edge? Can they run outside? Are they able to be physical and get tough yards inside? Are they able to make people miss? Um, then increasingly, how are they as a receiver? Can they split out? Can they run routes? Um, and what can they do in those types of situations? And then obviously things like pass protection, which I put a little bit less priority on than the other things. And, Procise is a former receiver and runs extremely good routes and is very dangerous. Has proven in what we can all agree has been a very small amount of snaps. He's proven to be an extremely dangerous weapon out of the backfield as a receiver. Um, that's something carson, Carson's carson been a good, uh, a good receiver when he been given the chance, but he's not, he's not built that way. And he's certainly, from a lateral quickness perspective, he's not the same player that Procise is. Um, where Carson is clearly better, and I'm a huge Chris Carson fan, clearly better than C.J. Procise is, is power, and and running between the tackles, I think he's better. But Procise was not was not bad there. He was actually really physical, far more physical than I expected, and had more wiggle um, in between the tackles than Carson did. So I know you're going to be on the Beast Pod here soon, and if folks don't listen to the Beast Pod, uh, they should. It's a good show.
3: Beast uh, Pod. Um, it's the pod. Yeah, whatever
1: <laughs> it's nice people go other than this podcast. So, um, so I, I know that there's some guys over there that have similar points of view that I do, but it doesn't even really matter. Cause he's not the, his path to this roster is I, I don't see how he makes it. I just don't see like how you can keep a guy with one year left on his contract. That's had durability issues. When you've got a guy like JD McKissick that can do a lot of the same things and can be a returner. Um, participate in special teams and you got a guy like Travis Homer, who's now got four years of club control in front of him as a rookie and is a bit uh, a special teams player. Um, So I don't think it'll end up mattering, but you, you scoff at it, Evan. I will just say the reason he's still on the roster is because John and Pete feel similarly about CJ Proceis as I do, um, or else he wouldn't be around that's been proven by other players.
0: That's fine, but they have a better better version of CGA ProSays on the roster already, and his name is JD McKissick, so.
3: Mm. There's no reason that they can't keep both, though. Like, they kept six last year. If, you know, going by the projection that, Brian, you put together, ProSays is six. They keep that many again. And, I mean, I think there's some other stuff. You know, they might keep more other positions, so maybe they won't keep six. That's a little bit more than they've done historically, but I don't know who's beaten process out necessarily
1: yeah if they go to six then he could be around but it also could be that bo scarborough steps forward (laughs) you know that guy's a uh, a tank Uh, i'm kind of eager to see what he looks like but i have a feeling he's bounced around If, if he had something to offer he probably would have shown it already so that is way more time than i expected us to get on the running back spot i i'm happy about that personally but um i know nathan's dying a little bit on the inside
3: well, I will say, I'll throw one thing out here. It's kind of interesting. They've got three guys now that are, that that have, I don't know if their hallmark is really receiving, but they've got ProSize who was a former receiver. They've got McKissick, who was a former receiver. They've got Homer, who was another smaller, kind of shiftier type of running back. It's a little interesting to see them have three of those guys um, as kind of a contrast to maybe the more typical, bigger backs that they've liked. So I wonder if there's... If they're just kind of throwing a lot against the wall there, I don't know that they're particularly enamored with McKissick. Procyhal obviously can't stay healthy, so maybe that's why they bring Homer in. But um, kind of interesting the, the the makeup of this group.
1: You know, I've been very consistent on this projection, and I'm I'm sticking with it. Uh, you're going to see Shady throw to his running backs a lot more this coming season. That is going to be one of the ways that the the team throws more than they did last year. And um, I don't know who it's going to be, whether it's going to be Homer or McKissick that are the recipient of a lot of, it. I think Chris Carson is going to get targeted a lot more as a receiver. Um, and they've actually even said some of that publicly. So that's not even that crazy, but I think you're right. I think you're right, Nathan. I think they're, they're looking for guys that can be receivers out of the backfield. And I think that's going to be a bigger part of their offense. Um, and I think, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a great addition to their offense to, to have a little bit more of that going on. Um, I'd take that on second and 12 over a run up the middle any day. Um, So I got to say, guys, I think the strongest position on the roster, other than maybe if you want to say quarterback because Russell's, you know, what he is, it's, isn't it linebacker? For sure. 100%. I mean – uh, let me run it down for you, and you tell me if you think that there's been a better running back group um, from one to six. Let's say um, you can even go one to five, whatever you want. You've got Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Michael Kendricks. Those are all your likely starters. Then you've got Cody Barton, who you know was your third round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, Barkevious Menko, who I think probably belongs as a defensive end now, but we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Ben Burke, Hervin, Shaquem Griffin, Austin Kalitro, Emmanuel Ellerby, and Justin Curry. So I I don't think much of Austin Calitro. So from him on down, I don't really think much of Shaquem Griffin actually as a linebacker either yet. But Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Michael Kendricks, Cody Barton, and potentially Ben Burke Hervin. That's a really interesting five sum. Um, where are you on this,
3: Jeff?
2: Yeah, I have to agree. It's probably is the deepest group they've ever had. They've had situations definitely throughout the last like decade or so where they've had a very good top the top of it, top end linebackers, but they've never really had the depth and the kind of backups they had where like Michael Kendricks is your third best linebacker potentially, and you can slide him into three different spots if someone gets hurt, or if KJ doesn't recover well from the knee stuff that bothered him last year, and some of the intriguing backups. They they haven't really had a lot of intriguing linebacker rookies, and if Barton is as good as he kind of got hyped in rookie camp, to have him as your fourth linebacker, that's really really exciting. They just they've had the good top end linebackers with KJ and Bobby for most of this era, but. They've had so many bad backups. Like Austin Kalitra had to play a ton last year, and we ripped on him so much. Barkevius Mingo was a starting player last year. He's now, what, the eighth guy? Might not play linebacker at all. And I can think of throughout the years, like 2015, 2016, where some really low-end to replacement-level players were playing. Now, you got four or five potentially pretty good ones, and, yeah, they haven't really had that.
0: I have a question. Is Shaquem Griffin going to make this roster?
2: it's a tough thing. Like how do you cut him and piss off his brother?
0: <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, but there's just so much loaded talent and, you know, the two new rookies in Barton and, and I think is it BKK or BBK or whatever his name is. Um, and then, you know, you've got Michael Kendricks, you've got KJ Wright on that two year deal that they just extended him to. It's like five point five six million a year or something like that. <laughs> or may it, it may have been 7.5 million a year. I don't remember, but, Obviously, Bobby is looking for an extension soon. Bobby is representing himself, hasn't received that extension yet, is currently not technically sitting outside of training camp. He's, like, there, present, and coaching still. He just doesn't have the helmet on. Uh, Bobby's, the I think, the player to watch for, for this upcoming 30 days. Let's see if he gets an extension. Hopefully, there's no drama there. But I think it's like you said, Jeff and, and Brian, this linebacker group is – I I don't think it's unreasonable to say this is the best linebacker group in the NFL.
2: Yeah. Like they used to have like Brock Coyle as their backup and
3: Mike. People, people, there was a while where people were trying to convince themselves Brock Coyle was
2: good. Exactly. And I I looked up some other names. KPL. Remember him?
1: Yeah. Those were guys. DJ Alexander who also. Yeah.
2: Regular players when KJ or someone went down or.
1: Yeah, I I, you know, I am really hoping that Cody Barton and BBK are better than I'm expecting them to be. I'm expecting like, honestly, I'm expecting like a better version of Brock Coyle from Cody Barton. Oh, please. That's that's what I have in mind. And I hope hope he's like a lot better. But that's kind of that's kind of what I'm expecting. Um, and, look, I, I think your question about Shaquem Griffin, I was thinking no until I actually did the 53-man roster. I think, one, he's a really good special teams player. Um, he's one of the better special teams players they had last year. And, two, I actually am starting to think that the team – we'll see if this is true. I think the team is counting Barkevius Mingo as a defensive end. Um, and the reason is because <laughs> I look at – they're edge rushers on this roster. It is super scary, guys. It is, like, really thin. Um, Ezekiel Ansah. It can't help Ezekiel. he plays, you know, to start the season. But I'm assuming maybe he's PUP. And if he's out, you've got, like, Rasheem Green, Jacob Martin. Maybe LJ Collier is kind of. But he's not really an edge rusher in that way. And that's, like, it. Like Cassius Marsh, Cassius Marsh, but like, I mean, like it's really, the cupboard is bare. And so I think that they are looking at, at uh, a Mingo, maybe purely as a defensive end nickel edge rusher. Um, and if that's the case, I think that's an extra linebacker spot that, that uh, Griffin could, could take. Could Griffin be an edge rusher at all? They're looking at him there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be his best path to
0: make. Weren't it. there like some quotes about that out of Pete's mouth around yep. draft time? Yep. Yeah. They've been,
1: they've been pretty honest about that, but like I, he's just too small for that to be his position. I, I I just don't think like, I think he can be a special teams player, a rotational pass rusher, but I think he still has got to be working as a linebacker. And from what I understand, he's working as a Sam. Um, so he had been a will, I don't think playing off the line is his, is where he's going to do well ever. So I think that's why the Sam position probably makes more sense for him. And we'll see. He did make some plays. He just like made a lot of really boneheaded plays as well. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, you, you, so Nathan, you're, you're so high on Cody Barton. I, give me, give me, give me, give me Reason to feel that confident about
3: it. I think he's going to be a good player. I mean, to compare him to Brock Coyle, like <laughs> it's just not. It's, it's just. So who is, I, who, I, who's in your mind when you? Who's your mind eye
1: when you think of Cody Barton? Like who who comes to mind? Uh,
3: I mean, he's he's run of the mill linebacker. Like I don't think he's got any real, you know, special thing about him that makes me think of any particular linebacker. Really, like. But I I just think he can be really good. I mean, he's athletic. He tackles well. He's smart. He's um, a Seahawk guy. I mean, he does seem to have all those kind of toughness qualities, all that. Like, he was productive in the Pac-12. And, I mean, it was just a one-year thing. But, like, to compare him to Brock Coyle, who was um, really kind of none of those things, was, you know, UDFA, like – that's not a fair comparison for Barton at all. I, I'm not going to try to sit here and tell you that he's the next Bobby Wagner or anything, but can he be, you know, a four or five year starter for the Seahawks, a solid player for them? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Jeff or Evan, do you do you guys have any uh, hopes for? I mean, do you think Cody Barton pushes to, you know, Michael Kendricks or KJ Wright for snaps this year, or makes um, Bobby?
0: Maybe if there's an injury, maybe if KJ goes down, he's had some reliability issues the past couple of years. Um, but did you guys see his dance-off session a couple of weeks ago? That was super unimpressive. So <laughs> I was high on him coming out of the draft, but now not so much.
3: You didn't like his square dancing? <laughs>
0: it's how I dance in the club, if I were to ever go to a club.
1: You literally did square
3: dance, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah so i mean i think I think he's he's the team generally keeps six linebackers um and I think people that well, you can pretty much lock in Wagner Wright Kendricks, and Barton. I think that you're then looking at two of whether they consider Mingo a linebacker, two of Mingo memberembercurvin, Shakeem Griffin, and Austin calitro. I don't think they're keeping calitro again he's like there's no i think griffin griffin's got to be careful. that's a good comparison for brock coil austin calitro yeah i think coil is better than calitro that's not saying much yeah especially because at least coil was a special team standout but um i think griffin has the edge over calitro just because of special teams if nothing else um so yeah, yeah
3: how was griffin as a special teams player what's that How was Griffin on teams last year? Did he play much? He was good.
1: He was, he was, if not their leading tackler, he was like their second leading tackler on special teams. I think he was a core guy on coverage and um, really came on as the year you progressed. So I I think that's a strength, but guess what? I mean, Ben Burkirvan and Cody Barton are both supposed to be really good special teams players. So, you know,
3: um, they love their special teams players though.
1: Yeah, but they haven't had a very good special teams for a little while. They um, got
3: to make up for whatever Brian shot Brian Schneider is trying to do.
1: issue, I think. Right.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. All right. Well. So the sexy positions, um, like offensive line, like wide receiver, uh, tight end, cornerback, run, uh, defensive line. Where do you guys want to go next? Let's talk corners. Corners. Top corners. What?
0: Justin Coleman got a fat contract with the Lions, 9.5 million dollars a year. So this the slot is open, the corner, the corners, or that uh, I forget that position group. But oh. basically, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity here. I think um, Trey Flowers obviously had a phenomenal rookie year. I'm super excited to see the step he takes in year two. Hopefully it's nothing like Shaquille Griffin's year two, but um, you know, Shaq's year three is going to be really interesting just because he was drafted in the third round a couple years ago. So he's entering year three and then next year, 2020 is his last year on his rookie deal. So it's not like he has a super long remaining tenure with the Seahawks on the books. Um,
1: Guys, I got to be honest. I don't think that the Seahawks, uh, I think Justin Coleman was the only above average NFL starter at cornerback on the Seahawks roster last year.
0: You wouldn't consider Trey Flowers.
1: Really? Nah. Yeah. I thought Flowers played pretty
3: well. Flowers nah. was pretty overrated. He was a nice surprise for what he was. And exactly. I think he played better as the year went on. And so expecting him to develop into something makes sense. But uh, let's not get away with what he what he actually did. What do, you guys away, about, it?
0: what do you guys think about a King King? He's been somebody that's kind of been in, in the background the past couple of years. Do you think there's any potential
1: there?
3: Go ahead, Nathan. I mean it's the same it, I'd say the exact same thing like he played a he played a little bit last year not a ton he I mean he had one nice game where they used him pretty well against Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs so it's the same thing like yeah it makes sense to be optimistic about him but let's not pretend like he had some kind of year that he didn't right i mean he was what he was
2: yeah i think i think he's a matchup player Kelsey was his best game of the year i think you can use him against bigger slot guys But against like the really fast, like speedy slot guys, I think that's a really bad situation for him, and I think he would get exposed there. So he's a guy
1: that helps to have, but I don't think he's your every down Walter Thurman kind of slot guy, right? Yeah, that's the thing. I think a lot of people have been talking about Akeem King as the odds-on favorite to take over for Justin Coleman. I that's not how I see it. Um, I, I don't think he's the right body type for for being an every down nickel corner and. I think he's much more of an edge corner. So unless you're going to, I don't think you're really going to slide. Shaquille Griffin could maybe slide inside. He's got a little bit more of the lateral agility. Trey Flowers certainly couldn't slide inside. So um, I think Akeem King is like, he's that third safety kind of role that plays corner and matches up. Um, I think he's a backup edge corner. Um, But like, I, the guy that I have my eye on, I, I'm really high on Jeremy Boykins. Um, I really liked his body type. I liked the way he looked last year. I think he's had a year of seasoning with the team. I think he's poised to step forward. It would really worry me if, um, if Nico Thorpe gets the job. They've been talking up Nico Thorpe a little bit, and I think that would be a real sign that the young players did not step forward. Um, and that the overall talent level dropped at, at that position. So that to me is a bellwether. If Nico Thorpe gets the nickel corner job, Seahawks fans should be pretty concerned. Um, if someone else steps up and grabs it, um, I think that's great. Kalen Reed's the other name that's come up, um, and, and you know, I the best man went. You know, a name on the cornerback side that I'm kind of curious about, I don't know if you, there's some other names we haven't talked about. There's, there's Simeon Thomas, um, six foot three. There's Devontae Davis. There's Jamar Taylor, who I think, is is he the other six foot three guy? No, Derek Thomas.
3: Oh, Jamar Taylor's a slot. Yeah. Yeah. Slot guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been around in the league for a while.
1: So, i'm really intrigued by Simeon thomas six three um was a guy that they acquired late like right before the season started last year and basically stashed him around um for a year i haven't had a chance to really see him play but generally when john and pete do that with a guy like um the next year they they show up as as someone interesting so Um, I'm kind of curious about him. Is there, are there any of those other names that you guys have any feelings about one way or another?
3: Um, I like, I like the other Thomas a little bit, Derek Thomas mildly interesting. Um, I mean, he's your prototypical Seahawks type, long athletic tall. Um, I don't necessarily know that he has any better shot of being the one that breaks out than Simeon Thomas has. I just, or does. I just know that I've watched them more from Baylor. So uh, I like him. I think he's one to watch.
1: So, I mean, this position group, guys, um, we really need Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers to step forward quite a bit from where they were last year for this group to be solid. I, I think that Shaquille Griffin, his first year, was an above-average starting corner. That, that At least that's my assessment. I don't mm-hmm. think he was that last year. I think Trey Flowers, I expected to be a disaster uh, as a rookie, not that he couldn't improve, but he was not. I think he was passable, but I don't think he was anywhere near like your average starting corner um, last year. I think that there's a lot of reason to hope that he's he does develop and step forward in his second year. Um, everything we've heard is that he's a smart guy, he studies, he, you know he's a hard worker, like and if he started out better than we expected, or at least better than I expected, I think there's reason to expect him to grow. Um, so then you're really looking at at that nickel position. That's going to be one of the key bellwethers for this defense um, heading into next year, because Justin Coleman played a really good nickel corner. And if you insert someone there that's not very good, uh, and you've already got the safety problems we've talked about, that could be a real issue yeah. um, heading into the season.
2: Yeah.
1: Coleman had a lot of tackling issues last year. It's
2: true. Yeah. So that, may, that might actually improve. There was a lot of like third downs that got away from him. But, yeah, he, he was a big playmaker. But I think the Cole group really comes down to how Shaq Griffin plays. And I know you mentioned this, Brian, in your article. It was kind of promising to hear him say that he did have a bad season. He did step back. And, really, he looked like a guy in that first year that was going to take a huge step forward. And he was pretty bad last year. He didn't make plays on the ball. He got beat too much. I think I think the group really, really – I know the nickel's important, but I think they can kind of mix and match based on matchups. I think it really comes down to what he's like. And it's – Trey Flowers is a guy, yeah, we don't know what he'll be in year two. Now the team's kind of having a book on him more. But I really think if Shaq Griffin becomes a good player, that will take the
3: team a long way. And if he's like he was last year, they're going to have a
2: lot of trouble on coverage.
3: Yeah, I mean, people keep talking about we, – we, we kind of thought about it, right? People keep talking about King as a nickel, um, and I don't really see that much either. Uh, but I do think that he's a guy that if Quill or Trey kind of don't take the step forward that we're hoping, he could be a guy that does and then can replace one of those guys on the edges, and, and maybe he's the guy that ends up um, – you know, being a little bit more of a playmaker, being a uh, one of the guys that steps up and is an above average player, I could see that from him more than I see him really, kind of, full time filling that nickel role. So I'm I'm glad they've got him around, but then, um, yeah, I mean, like I don't know that Amadi winning the nickel job is going to help their tackling all that much or anything like that compared to where Coleman was and is probably a step back in the other areas. So,
1: yeah, that's that's a great call. I keep forgetting about that. I mean, Amadi. Ah- absolutely should be considered one of the top two or three competitors for that nickel spot. I think, I think that's, that's absolutely the case. And um, someone had asked on the the chat a little earlier about PUP, because we mentioned it before, just so people ex- understand, we mentioned that there was four guys, four rookies that they placed on PUP today. Um, again, those names were Phil Haynes, Marquise Blair, the safety, Phil Haynes is the the guard that they drafted Demarcus Marcus Christmas. Who's a defensive lineman that they drafted. And then, um, now I'm forgetting the other fourth player. Um,
0: did you say Demarcus Christmas?
1: I did. Okay. Yeah. Member Kerbin, that was the other one. Um, so DeMarcus Christmas. the deal with um, PUP is a lot of times they'll place guys on PUP when they come into camp um, that are just not ready to practice yet. There's no reason for them not to put them on PUP. Um, it, it stands for physically unable to perform. And the rules for PUP is they can bring them off of that whenever they want. So as soon as the guys are ready and healthy, they can bring them off and they can practice. So I think a lot of people are losing sleep over the fact that these guys are on PUP. Uh, it's not the best news. Obviously, it'd be better if they are all healthy, but um, it's not. I don't think a, a red flag at this
3: point yet. Um, you know, it's, it's a huge red a flag. Accident. So it's a huge. Re- I get it. Like they'll all probably come off, but it's a pup list. They're hurt in some way. It's a massive red flag. Like a massive red flag. How do you it's get a problem? I mean, injuries are bad. Like, I mean, I'm not saying any of these guys are going to miss like the first six weeks of the season, but like that is a thing that could happen with these guys. They're all rookies. They're going to miss some amount of camp. It's bad. It's, it's, Nathan, bad thing.
0: I, I'm sorry that they're practicing hard and doing their jobs really They're hard. not practicing at all. They're I'm, on the sorry, list. I'm sorry, Nathan.
3: I'm sorry. They're on the pup list. That's the problem. They're not practicing. Nathan, you got They you have know. boo-boos. They can't get out on the field. This,
0: this move does not indicate any serious injuries whatsoever. They are with the team. They are in meetings. They are in those chats with coaches. They just need to be cleared by the doc, the team's doc, and they'll be good to go.
3: All we know, though, they are all indicative of serious injuries or nagging injuries or future CJ pro sizes. Like, I, I mean, yes, don't blow it out of proportion. They could all come off the pup at any time. It's not the end of the world. It, this isn't an issue until we get to the end of the regular season. And yes, 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 yes. There's my optimistic, Nathan. Yeah, it's there not we optimistic. go. It's an optimistic. It's just facts. It's <laughs> a red flag when you are hurt. That's
1: bad. Well, but, but, okay, I. First of all, I don't agree with that in general uh, uh, at this point. And, and this is a week before camp starts. So I'm not that worried about it. But let's talk about the players that are on that list. Phil Haynes is a backup. He's not going to be a starter. Like, We don't know that. He is highly, highly unlikely to be a starter.
3: I don't know really? that. I don't know that.
1: You're telling me that
0: Cardinals veteran that is like 67 years old is automatically designated the starting spot? Yeah.
3: I feel like people are sleeping on Ayipati a little bit, but I would not just slate him and Fluker in as starters, especially considering their age and injury history.
0: And and Tom Cable is gone. It is a new
1: day.
3: Also, and Phil Haynes might, might be kind of good. Yeah, yeah. There's no, that's, that's a really commentary good. on him.
1: That's a commentary on... Eupati and Fluke are absolutely expected starters there, and unless there's injury, which absolutely could happen, I don't think that it's a tragedy that Haynes might be on PUP for a little bit. Um, You talk about uh, Ben Burke that is not a tragedy. Like they may even use PUP as a way to stash him for a while. Who knows? Um, You talk about uh, Marquise Blair that's an issue. That guy could be challenging for a starting role. Like, not maybe, but, like, the expectation is that he's challenging for a starting role. So him being out would be a bigger issue. And then um, DeMarcus Christmas, that guy's going to be lucky to make the roster. So uh, let's just, like, come on. I, it is saying this is a huge red flag. I think that sounds a little Evanish. So I'm going to refer you back
3: to Evan- I'm pessimistic? Available on Twitter. Excuse me? No, I think it's calling it a bad take. <laughs> I was I thought it meant exaggeration. Uh, exaggeration. Yes. A little hyperbole. <laughs> but no, bad take's probably right actually too. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean it's not like a huge red flag, but it okay. actually is a good. red flag. It is bad. There's no like goodness a... of, like nothing about them being on Pup is good. They're or healing, Nathan. Is. They're well, healing. We don't know that. The body heals. It can be terminal for all healed. we
1: know. We don't know anything about this. How did healing work out for Malik McDowell?
3: All right. Yeah, Evan. Oh, how did uh, healing work out for CJ ProSty?
0: God did not bless those two.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, he blessed McDowell with more, uh, more money than I guess he's owed. So um, anyway, people want to hear more about some of the other positions on this roster and guys, I mean, everybody wants to talk about wide receiver. Everybody wants to hear about offensive line. Everybody wants to hear about defensive line. Um, I, uh, I I gotta kind of talk about, uh, defensive line. I I, want to talk about the other two, but I've got anxiety and I I need your guys' help on this one. I mean, if we talked about linebacker being the strongest position group on the roster and we talked about maybe safety being the weakest, is that what we kind of agree? We, we on the same page there now? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Corner? Corner is stronger than safety, don't you think? Like, oh, no. oh I mean, no. At least no, you no.
3: got Bradley in the – in. Yeah, Bradley McDougal
0: is better than any corner is good in the cornerback group.
3: At least you can, like, pretend that maybe Blair and Amadi are going to do something.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe. that That's fair. So, it, maybe it's not quite as, yeah, I, I just don't have a ton of trust in that safety group. So, maybe that's just me. But defensive line guys.
3: <sighs> might also be pretty bad. <laughs> it might be pretty bad. Especially after they trade Jaron Reed. Actually, I'm 100% on that trade. Uh, so I, I think I'm mad, but
0: <laughs> He's, No, I'm 100% on board right now. His, his trade value is so high right now. So is high. It? Yeah. Are you kidding me? How many what? how many DTs have had? Wait, how many sacks did he have last year? Was it 10? Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, but. Dude, what was... holy
3: shit. We could get some picks for him. Are you sure about that? Oh, come on. I mean, you're getting less than you got for Frank. Yes. Which, I mean, this could still be a lot. Wow. I don't know. I mean,
0: I, you guys well, saw that. Of
2: trading Jaron
3: Reed, right? What's now. The, well, you don't have to pay him in a year.
0: Yeah. And he,
2: he's going to he be wanting huge money. Grady. But Why not just get his production this year and then trade him next year. Like they did with Frank.
0: Because it might negatively impact his draft value saying like, Oh, he's going to want a huge extension. Then well, you're so that, you but know, but trading team wait is a
1: second. Guys, but I mean, I, I've got to, I've got to pull a Nathan here. Like, What are you saving the cap space for? Who are you going to spend it on if not for your young, durable, pass rushing interior defensive lineman who's been a good leader? Like is it just the fact that it's a big number now that it's going to be 17 million? Because the the cap has gone way up. 17 is the new like it's not not about cap, though.
0: It's not about cap. It's about draft resources. What can you get in return
3: for Jermaine Effetti needs to get paid?
0: We are not paying Jermaine Ifedi. And and let me tell you right now, if we paid Jermaine Ifedi, I'm done being a Seahawks fan. I quit. I quit.
3: Shaquille Griffin's going to need to get paid Pay corners.
0: That's fine. As long as we don't pay Ifedi. That's all. That's all. No, but uh, but honestly, it's all about... to, To me, it's two questions. What can we get in return from him for trade compensation in terms of draft picks? I don't really give a shit about cap space. And then point two, though and I do give a little bit of a shit about cap space. It's does this player, is this salary justified? Does his play justify this salary? So the market was just reset by Grady Jarrett with the Falcons. He got four years, $68 million. Um, That's what? 17 million a year. Yeah. Math is hard. $17 million a year, 42 million, 42.5 million dollars in total guarantees. Are you comfortable paying jaron reed 18 to 18.5 million dollars a year does his play justify 18 to 18.5 million dollars a year yes or no
1: why is it 18 versus 17 or 17 absolutely gonna want to beat the market
0: he had better numbers statistically than grady jarrett did
1: not over his career though but it's gonna be
0: based on last year
3: yeah but that's why you don't pay him now you wait and see what happens Well, if you wait and see what happens and he puts up another even just six plus sack year, I mean, then you trade him, right? Sure. I mean,
1: to what point we're just the reason we got into this conversation is you've got a really, really thin defensive line group. Jaron Reed may be your best player
0: in that whole group. That's really disrespectful to Puna Ford. Wow.
2: Wow. (laughs) Puna at all yet. I'm actually I, I,
1: so excited about him. Seriously. Yeah, but to, to to what what's the upside for Puna Ford? If he's like if he's everything you hope he's going to be, what is Puna Ford going to do? He's going to be Dr. like, like a Ruben,
0: <laughs> elite <Yeah>. run <rhyme> stuffer.
1: <laughs> right. Like, I mean, let's be realistic. I think I think he might he might. I think Puna Ford's got enough wiggle that he might get three sacks in a year, you know, and have a little bit of of pressure to him. But And I, I'm excited about him as being a disruptive force on the inside of that line. But he's not – I mean, there have been like three defensive tackles in Seahawks history that have recorded double-digit sacks, like Cortez Kennedy, John Randall, and Jaron Reed. And you've got plenty of money, so why I, – I, I just don't understand why you guys are so quick to get rid of a young, interior, durable, productive – Ever improving each year, defensive. Line. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, and who are thinking, you going to get with that money, or who are you going to draft that's going to be better?
3: That's the thing. I think that depending on what you can get in return, like if you can get a second round pick for him, I mean, you oh. could probably find a better player. I mean, draft picks are a
0: second rounder. I'm not doing it for a second rounder. Give me a low first, and I'll do it.
3: I don't know if you're getting a first for a defensive talent. Late first, really. No. Uh, no. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't think that they'd get what they got for Frank, so yeah. maybe I'm wrong Mark on this.
0: Steiner but how the Chiefs, okay? He you got to have a little bit more faith in our God because he's amazing.
3: Well, I'm just saying, though, like, even at a second-round level, you can probably call that a wash on talent potentially. And then, Wait, you I know.
1: What, based on what? Who are the second-round or third-round defensive linemen that the Seahawks have drafted in the last 10 years that have been? Frank Clark. Jaron Reed. Frank Clark and Jaron Reed, right? And and so...
3: Two for two. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: Stats, 100% hit rate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think
1: that this is a little surprising. I get it because it's a bit no, but I think scary the, to, to lock somebody into a big number.
3: But I think you're getting hung up on the 10-sack thing. Like, that's not his true talent. Uh, it's not like... Uh, if If you look at pressures, that was inflated um i don't have the numbers right in front of me but i'm pretty sure that was the case so i I think the problem is that you're you're looking at a guy who's probably not as good as i mean he's a good player i don't want to like you know say he's not but like he's probably not you know a keen hicks or some of these other guys who are legit very good path rushers. so um you're you're trying to, to sell high on a guy is the idea
1: yeah. I I, just... I, I I don't think that he's going to be a 10 sack player. I mean, on any regular basis at all, but he's proven that he's got that ceiling. Um, even if he's a six sack player, that's pretty freaking valuable as a defensive tackle. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm not as as excited to move on from him because I look at that cupboard and I think it's pretty bare and I don't think that we're hurting for cap space. So um, I, I, I feel like we need to be adding to Jaron Reed, not, not, like making that position group weaker and taking more risk there feels like a huge risk to to get rid of your one guy that you feel like you can rely on. The other guys you got there, Puna Ford, yes, we're excited, but I mean, he's still pretty unproven. Um, Rasheem Green did nothing last year. You know, you have to hope that, I mean, I think he is the biggest wild card. If he can step forward this year, that would be huge for this team. Uh, LJ Collier, we hope, but we don't know. Um, we don't know what we've got in LJ Collier. Jacob Martin, I think we're all high on, but he's not an every down player. And then you're into guys like Al Woods, Cassius Marsh, Quentin Jefferson, Jamie Meter, or Mater, Brandon Jackson, Naz Jones, Demarcus Christmas, Brian Monet, <laughs> Monet, Monet, and JT Tuili. So – I mean, guys, that's like <laughs> that's not good. That's not good.
2: I have a hot take. Okay. I think they're going to be fine. I think I think we're underestimating them.
3: I from a little bit there too, actually. Yeah,
2: Frank was great last year, and if Ziggy Ansa can play, he can be what like sixty to eighty percent of Frank, hopefully. And I think I think we, last year you had nothing from Green. You had Deion Jordan. You had Quinton Jefferson. Jacob Martin was playing very few snaps. If some of those guys can naturally progress, they're not that far off from where they were last year, and they almost have more talent with Green and with Martin taking second-year leaps, potentially. I think they're actually okay, and Marsh is kind of a stopgap player that can kind of help if they're not ready up front. Outside of Frank, they had no depth at all last year, and they were fine.
1: There weren't I many. Think they didn't sign Gerald McCoy.
3: Yeah.
2: That was just, I never understood
1: that one.
3: He I mean, all the reporting was that he didn't want to come west, but who knows? Who knows how many if you could have kicked a couple extra million at him and got him to come over? He was cheap. Yeah, he was.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, all right. Well I think they're uh, okay. So, I don't think they're good. So who are you expecting to really be meaningfully better than they were last year in the defensive line, Jeff? Rashim Green. Okay, so what do you what's a realistic expectation for Hashim Green this year? Like not not Say it. Say it. Time, you were right. Like, say it. What's what's his role? Is he the five tech, the starting five tech? You know, is he sort of like what Frank was in year two? Like not an every down
2: disruptor and a guy who can come in and on a modest amount of snaps and You saw a little bit during that Packers game last year. He can get to the quarterback, and I think he's a guy who can bring in like three to five sacks a year. He can be a disruptor. He can play the run. I don't think – he was a zero last year. So if he steps up a bit and Jacob Martin's pressure numbers actually do transfer, I don't know if they will with more snaps.
3: And if Ziggy Ansah plays in this stadium, I think they're okay. I feel like you were going to say six sacks for Rashim, and that's kind of what I'm thinking for him. yeah. Four to six, somewhere in there. Yeah. And you can probably get that from uh, Ansa, too. I mean, Ansa could potentially be a pretty good player. It's just a question with him on is how long he can stay on the field. Um, but, yeah, I think Rasheem Green's going to take a step forward, and that that could be uh, a huge boost. Like, Deion Jordan played a lot of snaps last year, and he was a total zero. Quentin
2: Jefferson played a lot of outside snaps. He was – I think you tweeted out a stat on him. He was okay, but – there weren't exactly good players outside of Frank playing on this team. They do seem a little deeper and at least they have
1: upside now, right? They do. I mean, there, there is some, I mean, Ansa is absolutely key for that group. I mean, the, the, the I think they have more options on the interior. Um, I mean, Collier can swing inside, obviously. Yeah, we haven't mentioned inside. Green has told me that he prefers rushing from the inside. He feels more comfortable. That's where he played in college. Um, You know, even Cassius Marsh, when he was up here playing on the inside some. But uh, um, I think it's the edge where I have, like, major question marks. Um, uh, Other than Martin, I I just don't know. know, Cassius Marsh, I think, is a a reliable backup. And
3: we'll see. I mean... uh... I can't, I, maybe I'm giving them too much credit. I don't, I don't know, but I keep coming back to the Patriots way of doing it where you've got like Calvin noise and Trey flowers and some of these guys that, um, you know, flowers is pretty good and stuff, but like there's a lot of years where you would have looked at their path rushing units. Now last couple of years where, and just on paper, it's not that impressive, but you throw enough four to six sacks, guy, six sack guys, you know, out there and you use them smart. And, you know, can you squeeze a little bit of path rush out of uh, Shaquem? I mean, he looked good doing it in college and, you know, can Mingo do it a little bit? Can you get them on the field at the right time and kind of some NASCAR package and stuff like that, green moving inside. Um, There's talent here. Um, It's just a question of how much can, how much path rush can they manufacture?
1: Yeah, I, I actually, I mean, I agree with that notion. I just think that that takes maybe some different coaching than the Seahawks have had. I think Dan Quinn as a defensive line coach was able to get that out of the defensive line. I like their defensive line coach now. I think he's been better, but um, look, the Patriots, part of the reason they are able to operate, first of all, their, their pass rush has been pretty atrocious during the regular season the past few years. They've been able to scheme it up in the playoffs um which is when it really counts but what they've done is they've had really great coverage they've had great corners and they've had great safety play and (laughs) really don't have either of those so yeah i don't know um i think that all those things connect together and i i don't like being you know glass half empty especially before the season but that group had let's just put it this way that group has a lot to prove they have a lot more to prove than that they've proven already um heading into this this camp so that's definitely a group to watch um i know we're, we're we're late into this um and hopefully you guys can stick around for a few more minutes um we gotta at least talk wide receiver um that that's the the group everybody's super interested in the seahawks have kept um uh let's look i've got it here they've kept an average of 5.4 wide receivers since John and Pete came in. Um, they kept five last year. Every single year I fall in love with a receiver, and most most of us do, and I think, oh, my God, there's no way they can't keep six this year, and then they keep five. Um, last year really was no different. And, and this year there's no Doug Baldwin, but, you know, we know Tyler Lockett's going to make it. We know DK Metcalf's going to make it. I think we know David Moore is going to make it. Is there anyone that feels like it's a question mark about whether David Moore makes the roster? So from there on out, I'm kind of curious, like, besides DK Metcalf, I think we're all interested in seeing who are you guys looking at in the wide receiver group? That's interesting to
3: you. And if you say Jaron Brown,
1: Nathan, I'm going to,
3: Go That's ahead. not me. That was not me that was yelling about Jaron Brown last year, talking about how good he was gonna be because he caught like three get passes in a preseason game. Yeah. Evan. Hey,
0: he received like <laughs> he caught like eight straight receptions in training camp in front of me, and I nearly
1: lost my crap.
0: I know, but seriously, he was he was being targeted so heavily. He looked like he was
1: gonna be a big part of the offense. He really did. And then it
0: just it just stopped like overnight. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened. Uh, but the player I'm actually like super excited about, though, is John Ur-Sua. Ursua, slot receiver out of Hawaii, strong route runner, really good hands, a little undersized. He could be a real contributor. I'm not saying he's Doug Baldwin,
3: but he might be. I think so. the thing with Ursua is that his hands are actually a question mark. Are you sure? He yeah. caught, I mean, he caught a ton of balls, obviously, but like, uh, uh, on watching him, drops were an issue, uh, and I think that the stats back that up. Although I don't remember specifically on that or not. Uh, he's interesting. I, I kind of think he won't make the team, which will be a little. What uh, you
0: really think? You really don't think his route running?
3: Oh no no route be? running yeah no 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 he's like route running and all that like he he looks like a Welker type or whatever out there. He's interesting, um, but I don't think he'll make the team. Um, you don't think do he'll make the
0: fifty three roster?
3: No. Wow. I. Because again, like I do the exact same thing as Brian, like, oh, they're gonna keep all these guys, and then like they don't keep half the guys I think they're gonna keep. Uh I mean it's Lockett Met-
0: typically is it five or six?
3: Five. Yeah. Ooh. Like religiously five, right? Like
1: pretty close.
3: Yeah. And I mean, so, I mean it's like Lockett, Metcalf, more, Jennings. Ooh Brown is in there. And then I think I think Turner. I like Turner. I've got a soft spot for Turner.
0: No, but but that that's hey, five, though. Do. But that's five right there. So you have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, David Moore, and probably Gary Jennings, who are all locks. Those yeah. are four players. And then you have Jerron Brown on that second year of his two-year deal. And then you have Ursua, who's the yeah. seventh round pick.
3: And you got Turner. You've got, inter- and then you got a bunch of just type of flyer types that like, if they end up beating Ursua out, it's not going to be any huge. Amar Darbo's
0: really. not making the team. <laughs> No. I know you know Zach, I know Zach Whitman has been a huge supporter of him publicly so and I really respect
3: him. Zach's opinion and so his you know uh, standing darbo has been pretty compelling but uh i I also think that Pete hates us um and maybe me specifically if he knows I exist and so if darbo ends up making the roster I'm not it's just it just feels like a thing that almost should happen at this point with the, the amount of crap that dude's gotten.
1: <laughs> no way. <laughs> I, 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 oh my God.
3: But, but I mean, I feel like when I'm most convicted about what Pete will or won't do is when I'm the most like wrong.
1: I, I've just seen enough of him over two training camps to say like.
3: But you said it yourself about some other guys. Like they don't keep these guys around for nothing. Yeah. I, there's something they there's like about Amara Darbo. It's different.
1: So like um, a guy like Simeon Thomas, there's no reason to bring him around unless they have belief in him. Um, a guy like Amara Darbo is a draft embarrassment. Like they have reason to hope that he works out so that they don't look like idiots for drafting him in the third round. So I see that as a little differently. Um, The guy that, so, so, first of all, it very, very—I think 80% chance, maybe 90% chance—is that you're talking about Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, um, uh, David Moore, Gary Jennings, and Jerome Brown? And I'm gonna cry that Jerome Brown <laughs> is taking a, a roster spot from one of these younger receivers.
0: I, I, I I'm cry, Nathan. And- Nathan, you bring up drops. As a huge issue for Ursua, but Jermaine Curtis was a Seahawk for several
3: years. So yeah,
0: he was a very good player. Actually, I think you're overestimating him.
3: <laughs> <God>. Uh <laughs> remind me how many game winning catches John Ursua made for the Seahawks. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh
1: God, I can't even handle that. I, I, I have to break in because this is this is this is retread. But the, the guy the guy that I have my eye on, um, and I'm hoping that he steps forward, is Caleb Scott six foot two, 200 pounds, um, run like a four, four or something like has like a 37 inch vertical, like really decent athlete. And actually he was hurt a lot of training camp last year. And when I saw him (laughs) finally get on the field, I was really intrigued by the way he looked as a receiver. Um, and so I'm, I think it's, it's a super long shot, but that's one guy. I'm really curious to see how it, it, like, he may be the guy, like, what was it? Stephen Williams, uh, a few years ago. That was just like the Taka training camp or, uh, what was the guy that was in the super bowl for us? Uh, you know, that, that was like the one hit wonder
3: Chris Matthews. Chris yeah. Matthews. Like, yeah,
1: watch out for Caleb Scott. I know Terry Wright, actually, Evan, to your chagrin, um, he was getting a lot of uh, pub during mini camp as a guy that was really standing out um, and it was benefiting from Ursua being injured and not playing. So, um, you know, uh, he may be another guy that, that jumps into the, the slot receiver battle, but I mean, Jeron Brown guys, that's the place where I think this, this uh, really the balance falls and there's this small chance it's, I really hope it's not the case, but I think everyone's just, all of us are assuming Gary Jennings makes this roster. He's a fourth round pick. Look back at the Seahawks draft picks wide receivers in the fourth round and how many of them have made the roster. Um. It's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee um, that he you makes just,
3: it. I was actually just looking at this. This could be, this could be a kind of, kind Of a bloody year for some recent Seahawks mid round, like third, fourth round picks. Like, you could have Pro getting cut, you could have uh, I mean, Darbo getting cut again. Uh, I, I don't think Jennings getting cut, but like the, the curse of the fourth round Seattle wide receiver, I mean, that's out there. Uh, Nick Vanette, not a guarantee to make the team. Eason Posick, not a guarantee to make the team. Uh, Naz Jones, been in the doghouse for a while. Um, Shaquem Griffin, I mean, I guess he was fifth round, right? Um, and then who else? Um, uh, and then, you know, there's an outside shot that one of Tedrick or uh, Lono Hill gets cut, too. It's true. That's, that's a bunch of recent, like, third-round guys just kind of fallen by the wayside. Mm-hmm. But
1: then, on the other side, you've got, like, you got guys, like, I guess we can wrap on this cause I could keep going all night, but um, you know, we, I think as far as guys that could surprise Jacob Hollister um, is a guy that they've added at tight end. That could be an interesting addition and could be an improvement over Vinette. Um, we already talked about Phil Haynes. I think he's absolutely a guy that could be, have some upside, but Jamarco Jones guys. I mean, he was playing really well when he got hurt last year and if he's back, I don't know if it's realistic because they seem so infatuated with Jermaine Fetti but like he would be such a huge uh, lift if he could really get some snaps at the, the tackle spot. He's really interesting. Could this be the year that Joey hunt doesn't make the roster and they find a new backup center? Is that it, Marcus Martin is a guy that could be interesting as a guy that slips in there as a backup center. And you guys talk about guys that are on their, Final years of their contract. Justin Britt, right, is is nearing the end of his deal. Um, Are the Seahawks looking for their next center? Um,
0: You know what's crazy on that is his 2018 full base salary became fully guaranteed on the fifth day of this league year. It sucked.
3: Yeah, but, like, what else else are they going to do? I mean – They've got nothing else there. I mean, unless Posick looks a lot better at at center than he did at guard, which was true for Justin Britt, like, I mean, what are they going to do? It just
0: kind of blows my mind that they allowed, like, oh, wait, was it a three-year deal? I think it may have been a three-year deal instead of a four-year deal. Because I know his last year is next year, 2020. He has one more year? Yeah, no, this isn't his last year on the deal, for sure. Oh,
1: yeah. His
0: deal was really weird. It had some, like, funky option that the team exercised
1: so and then the other question i have is how does george fant playing tight end fit into the roster makeup are they going to keep two real tight ends and is that where they gain a roster spot somewhere else they, you know is i'm kind of curious about that when i was putting the 53 man i I didn't know how they're going to handle that
0: i mean does he even deserve to be on the roster George george Fant? yeah I
2: mean,
3: why, why wouldn't he be on the roster?
0: I mean,
2: what does he do?
1: What has he really contributed in the past He He's played like 500 snaps
3: last. He's looked a hell of a lot better running routes than uh, Minicamp than uh, DK Metcalf has so far.
1: Okay. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. I can't disagree. Did you see that catch he made? Like outside the frame? Up the seam?
3: It was legit. That was impressive.
1: <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, hey, anything else that you guys want to cover before we start wrapping up here?
0: Extend Bobby Wagner, please. Get it yeah, done. You
1: didn't really talk
3: about Bobby. I mean...
1: Yeah. Your that- you team extend, Nathan, where are you?
3: I think they will extend him. I think they probably should trade him.
0: Yeah, you don't trade a top five defensive player in the NFL.
3: No, you uh, (laughs) let them walk for nothing, right? Isn't that how we do it?
0: That crippled my spirit. I want you.
3: (laughs) I mean, in fairness, they've only uh, let it happen twice. So, (laughs) yeah,
1: that's a sore spot, Nathan. (laughs) If i had to bet right now they're gonna sign bobby and um they're gonna let it play out with jaron reed and have that franchise tag ready to slap on on reed if they need to they're not gonna extend Jermaine afeti right
0: let's not they're really not right
1: i i i think it's about a 70 percent chance that they will not like
0: oh did you see my article i put out like a month or two ago nathan
3: I mean, I one, I think Effetti did get better. Uh, yes,
0: from like hor- horrible to
3: not so horrible. I mean, you if you don't think George Fant is making the roster, I have bad news about what they're probably doing with Effetti. Like, I, I'm not quite as high on Jamarco Jones, who I think played left tackle exclusively when he did play before he got hurt, right?
1: No, he's I, he's
3: moved over to right. Before Did he yet. play both sides? Okay. Mm-hmm. I do not remember. Right tackle um, in the future. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but.
1: He's he's not built
3: like a right tackle, a, a Mike
1: Solari right tackle. I would say that. He's definitely more of a prototypical left tackle, but in any event, he was talented um, and he was good uh, at what he was doing. Um, but look, I, you know, I think um, another guy out there is Elijah, and N- N- I think it's in Kansa. Um, Uh, actually he's a really interesting athletic guy. Talked to him a little bit. He's a tackle and a guard. Um, I would be surprised if he steps forward a little bit, but look, um, I think in, if you look back at the history of John and Pete, when they've had first round picks that they have not picked up the fifth year option on how many of those have they re-signed? I think the number is zero. Um, I think that they've foreshadowed their plans with a Fetty and I think that they've got other options and I think they've also look uh, what's the name of that guy that is good friends with Pete and is on CBS radio Uh, Kerwin yeah Pat Kerwin (laughs) he he has said more than once that they've got problems at right tackle and that's part of why they run the offense the way that they do so he doesn't get that just from analysis. I think he's getting that from the inside. So I don't think that they're particularly high on a I think he has improved. I think he's gone. Um, and I will not be sad when he is. Um, he's going to go to the Raiders. We all know that, right? <laughs> I don't care where he goes, as long as it's not Seattle. So, um, all right, fellas. Uh, we could talk about Madden ratings. We could talk about Golden Tate's comments, but we'll have to save some of that for another time. Um, people can only handle so much of us. Uh, it has been great having you all back. Um, thanks for everyone that that uh, tuned in. And thank you uh, to our new sponsors, Burger Master, uh, Blake over at Manifest Fit, and as always, John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes. Uh, great to have you guys for the season, and let's look forward to training camp. Go Hawks!